Welcome back to Red Cedar Radar. Uh, this week, I have another returning guest to the pod. Brendan Moore, a staff writer for Spartans Illustrated, joins the pod again. He's been putting out some great articles, kind of gearing up for football season recently. So I wanted to have him on just to kind of recap some of those things and look ahead to what's coming next um, as far as preseason football goes. Brendan, how are you? Doing good. Glad to be back on. Thanks for you know, letting me talk about some of my work I've been publishing recently. Of course. Yeah, it's been great. I've been loving it. It's been getting me more and more excited for football coming up. So, um, okay, a couple things we're going to go through. You've been putting out a couple different articles, some different topics. What I want to talk through first is your most recent article, kind of um, talking about roster updates and kind of where MSU football sits heading into fall camp. Talk me through kind of positions and what we're looking like numbers wise. Yeah, so Michigan State released their uh, preseason roster on last week. I think it was on Wednesday. Uh, there's some number changes. Most notably, I think Noah Kim is going from number 14 to number 10. So keep an eye on that quarterback, probably number 10 this year. Uh, same number as Peyton Thorne was last year, so kind of an interesting uh, switcheroo there. Uh, a couple other transfers are now listed on the roster. Uh, Terry Roberts, who's coming in at a cornerback. He played at Iowa last year, played at Miami uh, during the spring, transferred to Michigan State uh, after spring practice concluded down uh, in Miami. He's number 38 this year. I, I think he'll be on the field a little bit here and there, but I want to expect him to start, but you'll definitely see him this season, so watch out for number 38. Uh, Jalen Sammy, I like him. He's a defense alignment, six foot six, 330 pounds he's listed at. He's going to wear a big number 99, so you can't miss him. Middle of that defensive line, number 99. Uh, Alante Brown, uh, Nebraska transfer wide receiver, is going to wear number zero. Uh, same number as Charles Brantley, the corner, but obviously Brantley's playing defense. Brown will play mm -hmm. offense, so Brown will be number zero. Uh, new long snapper, Drew Wilson, he's going to be number 41. Uh, Hank Pepper is healthy, so he'll Pepper will most likely start, I expect, uh, so – Maybe not see Wilson this season, but who knows? Uh, Armorian Smith, a Cincinnati transfer safety, he's going to wear number 19. And I guess another, going back to the long snapper position, because we saw all saw how important that was last year after Pepper went down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Mason Arnold is not listed on this on the Michigan State roster. Uh, he was an Ohio State transfer, originally com committed to Michigan State. Uh, I, me and uh, Ryan O'Blenis are uh, – uh, publisher and or not our publisher one of our editors and recruiting insider we kind of did some uh a deep dive and discovered on his twitter bio it doesn't say michigan state anymore it says florida state so we can only assume arnold's now at florida state uh he was at michigan state for spring but we can only assume he now transferred to florida state so he's not listed but again they got drew wilson from junior college so he will be the backup long snapper it's interesting to me, I and mean, I guess I'm sure this happens all the time, but I didn't realize that it was common for people to transfer after the spring game. I mean, maybe that's good that they do it then and are able to find something for the season, but that's two that you've talked about that I didn't realize that was such a big trend. Yeah, it's just kind of something new. I guess you see yeah. now the new age of college football, because now that they implemented the transfer portal windows, there's a transfer. there was a transfer portal window uh, this past cycle that was April 15th to April 30th. So it was kind of right after a majority mm -hmm. of the country played their spring games. Uh, so that's why you saw a lot of, uh, yeah, fair amount of movement between, uh, uh, players coming to Michigan state. And of course we saw players coming going out of Michigan state. And yeah. also I wanted to touch on, uh, 
Forgot to mention Jonathan Kim's a kicker coming in from North Carolina. He will be, he will wear number 97. Do we know anything about kind of the kickers on the roster now? Uh, yeah. So Kim, I expect, I think he'll be the starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't really kick a whole lot of field goals while at North Carolina, who's mainly the kickoff guy. So I'm not hundred percent sure on what to expect from Kim. Uh, so kicker kicker positions kind of a question mark for Michigan state. It could be good. Could be really good. We don't know, but it also, mm-hmm. you know, could be bad. Could be average. We don't know that. Uh, and also Michigan state, they added two uh, uh, Michigan natives to the roster at the kicker position. I mean, I might butcher these names, but Tarek Ahmed Basic number f- mm-hmm. will wear number 40, and Yusuf Obied will wear number 39. They're both freshmen. They're both preferred walk-ons, so they're now listed on the roster as well. And yeah, Ohio but- State, uh, sorry to cut you off, but no, you're good, you're good. Ohio State transfer punter, punter Michael O'Shaughnessy we number 42. So he joined the team as well. I think I covered all the bases there. Yeah, you did. Definitely. And quite the question mark at the kicker punter position right now and something I hadn't considered going into preseason. So good that we talked about it. Um, I'll be interested to know more about Jonathan Kim as the season goes on. Since you said he hadn't done very many um, field goals when during his time at North Carolina. So that will be interesting to see. Anything else about the roster? Uh. I'm actually trying to pull up Kim's stats at North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Okay. 0 for 1 in field goals. I mean, so one <laughs> attempted field goal, three out of yeah. three in extra points. So it's a big question mark at the kicker position. Yeah, we'll see. we shall see. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a great rundown. Um, and all of these articles that Brendan and I talked through will be listed in the description. So you can check them out and I'll put them in order, you know, so you can – you can maybe pull them up as we go through. And if you're not subscribed to Spartans Illustrated, I would definitely recommend to see more work that we're putting out for preseason football. Okay, moving on. So this is a little bit of a different article that you put out, and I really liked it just to kind of talk about something different as we're talking about preseason. So as we all know, MSU, um, or the state of Michigan, I guess, um, put through that alcohol sales are allowed at college sporting events now. Um, it's kind of been maybe a little bit of old news at this point now, but you put out an article where you kind of highlighted some specific points about what that brings to football and kind of athletics at MSU in general. And I liked how you kind of put it into three categories. So can you talk through your points of, of that article? Yeah, absolutely. This is kind of just reiterating some points that David Harnes made in his article. He took a little bit of a deeper dive into that. I kind of highlighted just some things to know. And my number one thing to know was there's still hoops to jump through before this gets passed and before you see alcohol being served at Spartan Stadium this fall. So, uh, for example, there's still an MSU University ordinance that prohibits the consumption and possession of alcoholic beverage during all intercollegiate athletic contests and during entertainment programs that are open to the general public in all athletic facilities. So what that means is that they need to get that flipped. Basically, they need to repeal that ordinance in order for this to happen, right? So that's still going to take some time. The next board of trustees meeting, uh, I believe, is not until after the first game. If I think that, I think that's listed in David's article somewhere. Yeah, but it's after the first Michigan State football game. So don't expect to see alcohol being served September 1st against Central Michigan because that's not happening. And then uh, my second point is money is not the main priority. Sure, they're going to make a lot of money from selling alcohol, and you know it's going to turn rev- revenue. It's the sporting events at Michigan State. There's no doubt about that. And don't expect the alcohol to be like dirt cheap either, right? 
there's going to be supply and demand, basic economics here. Uh, so yeah, but their money, the money is not the main priority. If money was the main priority, they'd be pushing this and getting it out as soon as possible. Yep. And getting it, uh, yeah, out as soon as possible, like I said. Uh, but they're going to take their time with this and do it in the safest, most sustainable way possible. And also they need to hire staff. They need to hire uh, people who are trained to serve alcohol because there's like a training program that needs to be done for the people that serve alcohol. So this is not something they can just snap their fingers and this is going to, you know, and there's going to be, there's, it's going to take a little bit of time basically. And uh, last point I want to make is this brings Michigan state and Michigan university of Michigan as well. Cause they're in the same state, obviously up to speed with the rest of the big 10 because all the other big 10 schools serve alcohol at their sporting events ex outside of uh except for Nebraska, who didn't serve it at their football games, but they served it at basketball last year. Uh, so, yeah, this this will bring up um, U, U of M and MSU up to speed. Yeah, that was always something – not always. That was something that I had considered just from traveling to different stadiums in the past, why MSU had never done it. So I'll be interested to see how they do implement it. I do like that they're taking their time because I think then it will be done the right way. And like you said, sustainability is – important because this is going to be if this is going to be something that sticks around you want it to be a system that works and that you can continue to use not just at football but then transfer it over to basketball and like you know can you know have it be consistent throughout yeah it, it does look like that they have the fan experience at the top of their mind otherwise this wouldn't happen right uh so yeah they have the fan experience at the top of their mind they don't want anyone to have like a negative experience compared to other big 10 venues because oh they didn't let me enjoy my favorite alcoholic beverage you know what i mean so yeah i think it's overall a good thing uh and yeah, yeah it'll make some make some more money for the university yeah well and i think to your last point about kind of bringing us up to speed to the rest of the big 10 i imagine that they've looked around at the systems that other schools have put into place and can kind of tweak that you know, and maybe learn from if there's been mistakes at other schools with implementing this kind of learn from those yeah. mistakes and make it a streamlined process. So maybe it's OK that we're kind of coming in later because we can kind of use the up to date process that way. I don't know. Any other points about this? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. I like your last point you brought up. Yeah, I learned from uh, other schools mistakes about the implementation of this. So yeah, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, we will see. OK, so next up. These two articles, the last two articles that we're going to talk about together, um, you took a different spin on a, on some things that have gone on recently, and I like that you kind of put them all together. So the first article that you put out was top five biggest losses for Michigan State. Um, talk to me about how you came up with that idea, and then we'll talk more about the content of the article. Yeah, I actually have to give credit to David Harns again for this. Uh, he's been kind of uh i guess prioritizing putting out content kind of in different digestible pieces we have maybe an in-depth piece an in-depth article like i i uh i wrote a, a spring transfer portal window article where i graded how michigan state did in the spring transfer portal window i looked at who they acquired who who left uh the program and kind of put that all together in a piece and graded them uh so this was kind of a summary and i kind of repeated a lot of the same points, but just in kind of different format here. So I, yeah, I ranked the top five biggest transfer or biggest off season losses, not just transfer portal, but coaching losses, uh, maybe, maybe recruiting losses as well, but a little bit of transfer portal as well mixed in. I also did wins. We'll get to that later. Uh, but yeah, losses, uh, number five, I said, Jeff Petrowski defensive end. He's now at Wisconsin. 
he was expected to be a, a decent contributor contributor along the D line this season. Starter, maybe I don't know. You know, hard to say, but uh, yeah, it, Petrowski would have been a veteran presence along uh, side of kind of a younger defensive line this season. Uh, obviously, Michigan State got a couple of good players in the transfer portal: J- Jackson, Dre Butler, and I like the addition of Tunmiche Adele. Uh, he, he's young, but he's former five-star recruit, very talented. So Petrowski kind of would have, would have been a veteran presence in there, but he's now at Wisconsin, so Wisconsin, so not a huge loss. That's why it's number five, but still, I think it's pretty significant. Uh, the wide receiver position, after, obviously, we'll get to Keon Coleman, but Jeremy Bernard was also a big loss, in my opinion, not only because he left MSU, but he went to Washington, a team that Michigan State will be playing this season, and they played last season. So we'll see Bernard uh, in uh, in week three at Spartan Stadium. Uh, so, yeah, this is a big loss, especially for a wide receiver position heading into fall camp here that's a little bit inexperienced outside of Trey Mosley. Uh, so, yeah, Bernard, I thought he had a lot of talent for a four-star out of high school. Played a little bit as a true freshman. Uh, I think, yeah, he played all 12 games. So, and he, he got one start, seven receptions, 128 yards, and two scores. So, yeah, not a, again, not a super significant loss where it's where it's like, oh, this is, you know, like this team's going to lose more games, you know, just because they lost him. But it's still, it's still notable. So, again, he's at Washington. We'll see him week three, assuming he's healthy. Uh, and then moving on to number three, I said losing uh, Brandon Jordan to the to the NFL, which was a big loss in my opinion. Uh, he helped in the recruiting world, uh, getting guys like By Job and Jalen Thompson committed to Michigan State. So losing him, uh, he was also involved in the recruitment of David Stone. So uh, yeah, well Stone commits August 26, so we'll see how that turns out. Obviously, he's has a couple other teams on his top six, like Oklahoma, Miami, a few others as well. Uh, so. But again, like losing, okay, losing Jordan to the NFL, yeah, it's not good, but at least you're losing a guy to the NFL. I think that speaks highly of the coaching staff Tucker put together. So if there's a way to spin it into a positive manner, I guess that would be the way to do that. So yeah, I put Jordan, losing Jordan to NFL's yeah. number three. Uh, then top two, both happened on the same day. Peyton Thorne entering the transfer portal. He's now at Auburn fighting for that starting quarterback job there. Two-year starter, uh, team captain as well. So that wasn't great. Yeah, I know Spartan fans, you know, have mixed feelings about him. Uh, but overall, he was a leader. He was a two-year starter. So I think even okay, at worst, he would have been a backup quarterback this year. Maybe Noah Kim or Hauser would have beat him out. At worst, he still would have been a leader in that quarterback room. Kind of, you know, he he knows the offense. Probably he's more experienced in that offense more than Kim and Hauser. I would say so. Uh, yeah, losing Thorne, even if he wouldn't have started, that's still big. And then my number one loss is Keon Coleman. I mean, he's just a freak athlete. Uh, there's not many people out, not many wide receivers out there that have the size combination, the athleticism combination and speed combination that he does. So losing him, uh, he was arguably the best player on the MSU roster last year. And that's with Jaden Reed on the roster. Who's not, who's now on the green Bay Packers. So losing Coleman was huge. He, he's at Florida state now. And like I said, like I mentioned earlier, the receiver room is now young and inexperienced. Having Coleman in that room would have been really nice for Michigan State this year. Uh, it would have kind of turned some of those question marks into, okay, this this receiver room is pretty good. So, I think a big theme on all of those points was that we lost experience with all of those people 
that left, I mean, including Brandon Jordan too, but with the players that left, you lost experience, you lost veterans. And as Tucker is rebuilding a program, I feel like having that veteran presence is really important as you're trying to make, you know, make your own program and bring in your own guys. So I feel like that's a huge point and something maybe as all those pieces came in individually, I didn't notice the scope of it, but having them all kind of listed out there, that's a big theme that I didn't pick up on before and that's important. My question for you would be, can you talk through the grading system that you used and kind of the grades that you gave the Spartans as the different portal windows went through? Can you talk through that? Yeah, so I just kind of looked at, this was, it was mainly personal opinion. I kind of just looked at uh, who was coming in from that window, uh, who went out of East Lansing in that window, and I kind of just, you know, see, okay, if I t- take this group of players going out, or have this group of players coming in, which would I rather have? And that's kind of how I graded it. Like, for example, the spring window when Michigan State lost Thorne, they lost Coleman, uh, but they did acquire some decent talent, uh, like Sammy, like we highlighted earlier. Uh, so I gave him a C minus, I believe, for that window. But in the winter window, I I believe I gave him a B, if I recall correctly. Hopefully I remember that correctly. So, you yeah, did. I kind of just weighed the departures and the incoming guys. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And I like that you kind of took your personal opinion and spun it into a grading system like that because it makes it, you know, it puts it into levels that any anyone mm-hmm. that's reading this or that we're talking about it can kind of understand where things are sitting. And I think I do agree with your overall grade. Um, things weren't great for a while. So it's good that um, we kind of have that perspective. My question for you that's kind of off our topics is you we talked about Peyton Thorne. Do you think Peyton Thorne's going to get the starting job at Auburn? What's your opinion, or do you have an opinion? I do. I think he will. I think he – so there are the quarterback, for those that don't know, his name is Robbie Ashford. He played last season, but he's more of a uh, – he's more talented runner than, uh, I guess, Thorne is. But Thorne's a better passer, in my opinion. So I think uh, Peyton Thorne's going to start. I think you'll see Ashford mixed in in different packages, whether they want to – you could see two quarterbacks on the field uh, this season for Auburn at, during one play. Like the, Hugh Freeze is their new head coach. He likes to throw curveballs at the defense. Uh, so, yeah, but I do think Thorne's going to start. It's not going to be easy for him because he's going up against Ashford, mm-hmm. who's a guy that played last year, like I mentioned, albeit under a different coaching staff at Auburn. But I do think Thorne's going to start. I just think in the back of my mind, like he would not have gone and made that move if it wouldn't have been, you know, them telling him that he was going to at least be the starter or like you said, like be in the mix, like with their new scheme and staff and stuff. So I just feel like he wouldn't have made that big of a move if it wasn't guaranteed, but we shall see. Maybe I'll have to watch some Auburn football this fall just to check it out. (laughs) That's a reason to watch more college football and so be it. I'm I'm down. Okay. I'm going to stop it there.